praise the Lord. Before we go on, I'd like to please implore you to stand. I want us to take what I called customized praise to God. We've taken congregational praise. We've thanked him as a congregation, as a family. But I want you to present to God your own customized praise. The one that has your name on it. During the time of one maximum ruler, a bacha, somebody told me that she needed something from him and so she packaged a gift for the wife to influence that thing and she told the person that was delivering it please make sure that she knows it is from me and you know it sets me thinking I said so if that woman was it was important to her that her name should be on that gift and Mrs. Abacha should associate her with that gift. Then I think I also should make sure that when I offer God praise, it should be customized. My name should be on it. Praise team, I want you to help me with this song. Now unto the Lord upon the throne. Now unto the one upon the throne. It says we raise a sound, but I want us to change it and say, I raise a sound. Thank God he didn't say I raise a song. Otherwise, somebody like me with a bad voice, I might not qualify. But it is a sound. So it doesn't matter what key your voice is. But please, I beg you, make sure you are offering him praise from your heart. Think of something he has done for you in the last one year, two years, one month, one week. And say, Father, I raise a sound. Now unto the one upon the throne we I raise a sound I raise a sound For he is God and God alone For he is God and God alone sound to him. You want to sing a song? Sing it to him. 
You want to shout, shout to him. Make sure you are raising a sound. You want to speak in the spirit. You want to sing in the spirit. Raise a sound. Let him see that you are offering him praise. Baba, I raise a sound to you. Baba, I raise a sound to you. I raise a sound to you. For what you have done for me. For who you are, I raise a sound. Without the instruments now, can you raise a sound? Without the help of the instruments, raise a sound. Let him hear your voice. Let him hear your voice. Baba, I thank you for what you have done. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you will do. I thank you for what you are doing. I raise a sound. This is my voice. Me, Baba Tunde Obaweya, I raise a sound. If no one will raise a sound, I will raise a sound. Because I know you have done a lot. I know you will do more. And I know that you are to be glorified. I raise a sound. Thank you, Father. 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 In Jesus' name, we have praised. Lord, I pray that even though your people are looking at me, they see me, I ask that they will hear you. I ask, Lord, that your name be glorified. Holy Spirit, you know I can do nothing without you. This is your message. Please preach it. I remove every obstacle between your word and the hearts of your people. And I say your word will find good ground in their hearts in Jesus' name. The word will bring forth fruit. And the fruit will benefit your people. And your name will be glorified. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Please be seated. I want to appreciate the senior pastor of Vine Branch uh, in the Anglican Communion. Anybody who is a spiritual father, we call Papa. So don't mind me, sir. I'm not making you feel old. Papa and Mama Kolade. I want to appreciate you. I want to confess something today. I'm a secret admirer of yours. And I will tell you why. It's because of your consistency. I don't flatter people, sir. Please ask of me. My praise is very economical. I don't flatter people. But Papa, Mama, Kolade, over the years, we've watched your lives and ministry. And we've seen consistency. We have seen integrity. Thank you for being a good example, sir. Amma. God bless you richly in Jesus' name. I'd like to also appreciate and acknowledge 
Pastor Tolu and Bolani Ukusonya. Um, Mommy Ukusonya, I've officially adopted you today as my sister because you are bearing the name of my senior sister. My senior sister is Bolani too, so I officially adopt you as my sister. I want to thank God for you, sir, Pastor Tolu. Um, I got to know you in events that was not particularly too pleasing, the passing of a relative of yours, but I watched you and I admire in you efficiency. This man can plan. You know, he's always, ah, because I share but that is who he is. God bless you richly in Jesus' name. Good people of Vine Branch Aquata Center, happy anniversary. You will live to celebrate many more in the land of the living. I want to appreciate Pastor Tulu also for the choice of this topic. I suspect you are the one who chose it. Influence. I teach a lot on eschatology. That's the science of the end times. And the choice of this topic at this time for me is very, very apt. Because I believe we are on the verge of a very serious outpouring of God's power upon his chosen people. God, over the years, has sent prophecies that there's coming an outpouring of his spirit like never before. It's going to usher in the last day harvest before the trumpet sounds. And for years, a number of us have been praying. I know people pray all over the world, but at least I know my own. A number of us friends have been praying, Lord, let this revival come. Particularly when we began to see the moral depreciation and degradation in the church. <laughs> Things are happening. And it got to a time I began to ask God. I said, God, sir. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Because I'm, I'm, I'm very, very open with God. I, I talk to God like my father. I said, sir, the way things are going, how will this revival happen? Share with all these things we are seeing. Those who are supposed to be examples, who are supposed to be leaders, who are supposed to be lights, who we look up to, strange things are happening. And I began to cry many years ago. I said, God, how will these things be? Just like Mary was asking the angel, how will these things be? And God said, I have a remnant. And that was how God introduced me to the principle of the remnant. And I saw through the scriptures that God has used this principle from time to time throughout the scripture 
to reserve and preserve for himself a seed with which he can repopulate or reinvigorate his church. It started with Noah. Destroyed the whole world, but he kept a remnant. Same thing happened in the time of Elijah. There was moral decadence. There was apostasy. There was idol worship at that time. And Elijah was fed up. He began to complain like I too was complaining some years ago to God. The only difference between myself and Elijah was that I did not hand in my letter of resignation. Elijah handed his own in. May God not accept your own letter of resignation in Jesus' name. God accepted his letter. Elijah said, kill me. Me, Shemo. That's the summary. And God said, that's fine. I can't force you. Collected the letter of resignation and told him who to hand over to. They go to so-so-so place, we meet Elijah, hand over to him. This will happen after you are gone. This will happen, this will happen. And as Elijah was turning to go, he said, hey, one more thing, Elijah. Uh, you said you are the only one for your information. I have 7,000 who have not bowed their knee to bow. There is always a remnant. And I'm trusting God that amongst us here, the Lord will find his remnant worthy to pour upon them his spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. The move is coming. Mark my words. The move is coming. It's going to cut across denominations. It's going to cut across tribe and tongue. It's going to cut across all forms of social class distinctions. We are only going to have people saved by the blood, burning with the zeal to do the will of God and to glorify the master. And when that time comes, there will be astonishing and astounding miracles like never before. Your eyes will see it in Jesus' name. Why did I start like that? It is because this kind of topic influence many times is a precursor to preparing men. You may be somewhere right now thinking in your heart, shame me, me, with this sorry state of mind. One young minister, he adopted me as his mentor, came into my office one day and said, Sir, I'm fed up. What is Sumi? He said, What's the problem? He said, I am just fed up. Everything is upside down. Things are not working. I pray, pray, pray. I do this, I do that. And I heard a voice in my ear say, He is one of the remnant. I am preparing him. Tell him. So I said, Sir, this is what the Lord said said, you are one of the remnants that is preparing you for the end time army. The man looked at me. He was the one who confessed later. He said, he said in my heart, 
If you didn't have anything to say, you should have told me. Why are you deceiving me? He was the one who told me after. Because he told me he left my place and he went to a one very big man of God. I don't want to mention his name. In this town, he said he felt that maybe because I did not have the anointing to attend to his issue. That was why I used that to just wriggle out of the matter. So he said when he got to the man, very, very big man of God here in this town, with a very strong prophetic ministry, he said as he was entering into the man's office, the man stood up. This man is elderly. I'm sure he's over 80. The man stood up and pointed to him and he said in Yoruba, Ah, Ajiriri a cowboy. He said he was looking behind him. Say, is it me they are talking about? He said, so he moved near and said, Baba, I have a problem. And he wanted to kneel down. The man said, don't kneel down. With this thing you are carrying on your head. He said, he looked at his head. There was, ah. You know what I'm saying this? There may be somebody here. You don't feel anointed. You don't feel as if God is going to use you, but be encouraged. When the power of God comes upon you, like Saul, you become another man. Be encouraged. He said, he insisted, he said, he told Baba, Baba, I'm fed up. Things are not working in my ministry. Da, 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 da. He went on and the man said, Sir, I'm hearing God tell me, send him back to me. I can't pray for you, Saul. God said I should send you back to him. That was why he came back to my office. To say, excuse me, sir, what you said that day, it seems as if it's right. So I said, it is what I heard I said. Can you tell your neighbor, be encouraged? Influence. I want to thank God for the foundation that Pastor Bangboshe laid yesterday. I was able to listen to it late in the night yesterday. And I'm going to do my best to build on it. I'll try not to repeat what he said so that I don't bore you. But there were certain things he said that caught my attention. And I want to build on them by showing us or pointing out to us the implications and the applications of those things. One of the things he said is that influence takes time for the effect to show. It takes time. The implication, if influence takes time for the effect to show, the implication is that you need patience. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 36. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 36 says... In the King James, ye have need of patience after having done the will of God that ye might inherit the promise. That seems to be saying doing the will of God is good, but it's not enough to inherit the promise. You need something else, and that is patience. 
The Passion Translation puts it like this. You need the strength of endurance to reveal the poetry of God's will and then you will receive the promise in full. People of God, the very nature of the kingdom of God, the process of his growth is gradual. There is nothing you can do to expedite it. Jesus Christ, when he was here on earth in his earthly ministry, said to the disciples many times, to the crowds, the kingdom of God is like this. Then he will give a parable. He used that example in Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13 verse 21. Luke chapter 13 verse 21. It says it is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. Leaven is yeast. I don't know whether you have the Passion Translation media. He says, God's kingdom is like something as small as yeast that a woman needs into a large amount of dough. It works unseen until it permeates the entire batch and the loaf rises high. Now, I love bread a lot. Or let me say, I used to love bread a lot. When we were growing up, my mom was from Sierra Leone. And we were growing up, she all sorts of pastries. They have bread. We don't have bread in Nigeria. In Sierra Leone, they have bread. Or then they had bread. I don't know whether they still have now. And so we used to make homemade bread. And one of the things when you are making bread, when you put yeast, you have to wait. It doesn't matter how, how eager you are to eat. You will wait until the dough rises. If you don't wait, that bread will not come out right. The kingdom of God is like living. You put in dough, it rises. It is a gradual process. The application of that is this. Daddy, be patient with mommy. Mommy, be patient with daddy. Daddy and mommy, be patient with the children. It takes time. When I got born again in 1986, the brother who preached to me, I'm sure that uh, like the Yorubas, we say, Motan Suru. Because after giving my life to Christ, he was doing follow-up. And anytime he would come and say, ah, he would meet us either playing soccer or playing chess or playing drafts. I was born again, soundly and roundly born again. But I didn't want to go beyond that for that time. He said, bro, won't you go to Bible study? I said, Oga, leave me. Because I hate to be forced to do things. I'm stubborn. I, I know I'm a stubborn person. 
I said, but hey, bro, you are not born again. You should cry. Ah, okay. Hope nothing. I'm born again. I, I know I am born again. All things have passed away. When I want to come to Bible study, I will come to Bible study. Leave me alone. Many years ago, I met him by chance. When he saw me, he was glad. I'm sure he must have written me of that time. We are one of those who, who are lost again. They both born again, but they refused to grow. But it was a gradual thing. After a while, the thing took root in my life. It began to grow. I was the one search. I searched through the, my, my things. I found a Bible my father bought for me in 1981. I opened it for the first time in 1986. By the time I finished with that Bible, it was, it was shredded to pieces. Because I devoured it. You know when you say you devoured the word? I devoured it. In fact, I'm going to look for it and maybe put it somewhere in my library. I came a historic item. It is a gradual process. And I want to encourage you, please, you may think you are not making effect or influence or having influence. Be encouraged. Tell your neighbor, be encouraged. The second thing He said it is progressive, and I want to add that the boundaries of influence are extended by faithfulness. You want to grow your influence, be faithful. That little one he has given you, be faithful with it. There was a time many, many years ago, this prophecy came. I know Baba Deboye even repeated it this year. That there's going to be transfer of wealth from the Gentiles to children of God. There will be enough money for the kingdom. We won't need to do this and do that. And so there were some people I know who were praying to be treasurers of God. Was it one day as I was praying? I said, God, we are the treasurers. We are struggling for money, looking for money all the time. We want to do missions to other nations and all that. We have restrictions. We are the treasurers. These people have been praying. Why haven't you given them money? He said, they have not been faithful in the little I gave them. Somebody was asked, why don't you pay tight? He said, ah. He said, it's only 100 naira. It's only 100 naira I got. If, I, if it was one million naira, I would easily take 100,000 out of it. I told him, I said, oh God, if you cannot pay 10 naira out of 100, you cannot pay 1,000 out of uh, 10,000. Influence is increased by faithfulness. Number three. The effect of influence is not determined by the size, volume, or number of the people. The effect of influence is not determined by the size, the volume, or the number of people. 
Rather, it is determined by the potency. It is not quantity. It is quality. I was looking at one of the scriptures that the Lord used to describe us. He said, we are the salt of the earth. I think that's Matthew chapter 5 verse 13. Matthew chapter 5 verse 13. I would appreciate the passion translation. And he said something there. He said, your lives are like salt among the people. But if you, like salt, become bland, that is, another translation says, you lose your saltiness. How can saltiness be restored? Flavorless salt is good for nothing and will be thrown out and trampled on by others. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. It is not the quantity of salt that matters. In fact, I checked online what is the average percentage of salt in any recipe. I just checked online. I kept checking and checking and I found out that in any recipe, the percentage of salt ranges from 0.5% to a maximum of 2% of the whole dish. So it's not about quantity. 0.5%. Without it, you know how bland and tasteless food will be. But with just 0.5%, maximum of 2%, it changes the whole flavor. That is how you and I are. It is the potency that matters. Little wonder that we are not making impact. A relation of mine is a very senior pastor in one of these mega churches. I don't want to mention the name, so I don't embarrass anybody. And he said they were in a pastor's meeting. And they were discussing the issue of Nigeria. And he said he got up and he said, the problem of Nigeria is our church. We are the problem in the church. And of course, you know, people got angry. You know, everybody said, what do you mean? How can you talk like that? Da, 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 da. And he said, wait, now you ask me to explain. I saw yeah, explain. He said, mention any ministry, parastatal, agency, including the armed forces, that you don't have either a pastor or a deacon of our church in the hierarchy, in the senior management. Mention anyone that we don't have a member of our church there. They said, uh, actually, we're all over the place. He said, uh -huh. If you are all over the place and Nigeria is like this, does it not tell you something? They kept quiet. And when he told me, I sat down, I said, indeed, it is not about quantity. It is about the potency. Praise the Lord. The effect of influence is determined by the potency of you and I. How potent are we? How much are we conformed to the image of the one who sent us? 
May the Lord grant us understanding in Jesus' name. So number three, I said, influence is not determined by the size, volume, or number, but by the potency. Number four. May I please ask you to, my brother, I want to conscript you to do something. I don't know whether you noted when I started, but when it's 10 minutes to go, can you send me this? Just bring it to me. I won't be offended. Just bring it to me. I tend to talk too much at times. Number four. For influence to give the desired or required effect, it must be applied according to the divine order. For influence to give the desired or required effect, it must be applied according to the divine order. And one main principle that I have been able to, in my own opinion, identify in wielding influence is selflessness. Influence must be wielded with the motive of selflessness. Otherwise, it will not give you the required result. It will cause trouble. It will cause problems. Let me show you something. Matthew chapter 20. I'm sure you've seen it before. But like I always tell people in the church where I pastor, keep an open mind anytime you are looking at a passage that you have looked at before. God may decide to show you something new. I would appreciate the Passion Translation also. Matthew chapter 20 from verse 20. The wife of Zebedee approached Jesus with her sons, Jacob and John, knelt before him and asked him for a favor. Can you say, God bless our mothers? Please say it. God bless our mothers. This woman was just doing what mothers know how to do best. Looking out for their children. She was looking out for them. And I think, that's my own thinking now. I think she looked at 12 people. I said, ah, 12 people. If my children are the number one and two, go bad, you know? Go bad. <laughs> Abby? But if, if your son or your daughter becomes the number one citizen of your state now, show bad. Oh, bad now. You two will become mama governor. Abi or baba governor. So she went, knelt down. Baba called me. She didn't say that. Oh, I'm the one who put that one there. Because I've noticed, honestly, I tell you, you'll be surprised, you wonderful congregation, how you quote your pastors. My pastor said, that woman said, Baba will call me. Ah. And they'll be looking for Baba will call me inside the. Inside. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm just saying it to put it in contemporary terms. She knelt down, Baba will call me. I said, I put a jewel. I said, Mama, get up, get up. What is it? I just want a small favor. Me, Mama, I'm a 
I said, ah, what is it? Just a favor. Verse 21. He said to her, what is it you want? She answered, make the decree that these my sons will rule with you in your kingdom. One sitting on your right hand and the other on your left. No space for the other ten. Anyway, let's leave that aside. Praise the Lord. But that's not my focus. My focus is the response of Jesus Christ. In verse 24. There was a response, sorry, a reaction before the response of Jesus. There was a reaction from the disciples. Then the other ten disciples were listening to all of this. And a jealous anger rose among them against the two brothers. That is what happens when you wield influence selfishly. You don't get the right result. Thank God Jesus sorted out the matter. Do you know that that issue was capable of causing crisis among the disciples? Influence must be wielded according to divine order. It must be wielded properly. Otherwise... It will become a curse rather than a blessing. May that not be our portion in Jesus' name. Let's go on to what Jesus said. Verse 25. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, called them to his side and said, Look at the pattern he gave for wielding influence. Kings and those with great authority in this world rule oppressively over their, their subjects like tyrants. In other words, they wield influence in the wrong way, with the wrong motive. Verse 26, but this is not your calling. You will lead by a completely different model. The greatest one among you will live as the one who is called to serve others. Because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. For even I did not wield my influence for selfish motives or purposes. That's the summary of verse 28. Are you crying to God for influence? Deal with your selfishness. You'll be surprised. If you are able to have the right motive, you'll be surprised that God has been holding back simply because your heart has not been in the right place. So influence must be wielded selflessly, not selfishly. Number five. One of the things Pastor Bangoshe said yesterday was that there must be a difference before influence can be effective. Do you remember? There must be a difference. Now, what is the implication of that? One of the implications of that statement 
is that if there is a difference, then there is the possibility of hostility also. Hello? If you say you are light, and the difference or the, the opposite to you is darkness, and the light wants to influence the darkness or anything under the control of the darkness, don't you think there's the possibility of hostility from darkness? Testing your lane now. Something like that happened. Let's look at it in Acts chapter 13. There is a possibility of resistance. I need to sensitize you to this because this is real. It is real. I've heard many Christians who have been quite naive about the issue of spiritual warfare. I was posted to a church at a time to assist the vicar there many years ago. And I preached a sermon and I mentioned in passing um, spiritual warfare. And one very elderly man afterwards came to meet me and said, Alufa, you said something. I enjoyed your sermon, but you said something. I don't seem to agree. I said, eh. He said, ah, are you saying that in this church here, like this, there will be people who are agents of the darkness? In church, ah, I laughed. I laughed. I said, Baba, I might be no sorry for the laughter. I said, but Baba, they are here. Jesus himself said it. He said the man went to a field. He sowed wheat. Abby, when men slept, somebody came and sowed what? And then when they discovered, they wanted to uproot it. What did the man say? Let them grow. And you are saying they will not be in church. One of my members in frustration one day said, and why is it that God cannot just uproot all these terrible people in the church and just uproot all of them and kill them off? I said, you know one of the reasons. So for somebody like me, if you had done it before, you'd be not cool. Yes, I was a non-believer too. I used to come to church. I had a girlfriend who was in the choir. Yes. I was an unbeliever and I had a girlfriend in the choir. So if he, if he had uprooted and killed me at that time, what would be my lot? So I said, Mommy, <laughs> take it easy. Let them grow together. Your own is to make sure that you influence them. May the Lord give you that understanding in Jesus' name. Let's look quickly. Acts chapter 13. The story begins from verse 4. If you will read it, let's look at it in the New Living Translation, please. New Living Translation. I'll just look at verse 4. I want to point you something out. Point something out to you there. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by who? By who? Are you still with me? By the Holy Spirit. So, don't think that they went on 
to that assignment by themselves. No. They did not go carnally. Uh-uh. They were sent by the Holy Spirit. And look at what they encountered when they went out. Let's look at verse 6. They traveled from town to town across the entire island until finally they reached Paphos where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Now, if we are going to classify the influence of this sorcerer, will it be positive or negative? Negative. Thank you very much. Now, look at the location of this sorcerer in verse 7. He had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man. The governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God. There was a sorcerer attached to the governor. He was a negative influence. Paul and Barnabas came. They were a positive influence. There was an obvious difference between what they were carrying and what Elimas was carrying. There was a difference. And that gives rise to influence immediately. It allows influence. Just like I think Pastor Banguji was talking about osmosis. Immediately they arrived, something happened. Verse 8. But Elimas the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. There was resistance. Excuse me. Because of that difference, know this for sure. There is the probability and the possibility of hostility and resistance. Anytime you want to be a positive influence, anytime you want to affect your society, your community, your place of work, your church, your family, positively expect resistance. There is a possibility that there will be resistance. But that resistance will not overcome you in Jesus' name. Look at verse 9. Look at how Paul reacted. Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he looked the sorcerer in the eye. There comes a time, sir, a man, when you need to confront evil. Eyeball to eyeball. The Yorubas we say, Wahala u Jejemi Mojoku. There are some of us who believe that let's just be going on our own path. Oh. Like one of our priests in the dark ages, the dark times of the Anglican Church, one of our very senior priests, many, many, many years ago, before the revival entered the Anglican Church. The youth were having revival in the church and the man was in his vicarage 
And he had them doing warfare. And the man tiptoed. They were praying against powers of darkness. The man tiptoed and called the youth leader. And said, Praise the Lord. You, there are times you need to look the devil in the face, sir. Uh, somebody said, eh, but you see, we are supposed to be meek. We are supposed to be long-suffering. Thank God it is long-suffering. God is long-suffering. It's not ever suffering. It's not ever suffering. The long has an end, Abby. Uh-huh. It comes to a time when you move and move. You follow the path of peace. And they are still not yielding. And you need to look them in the face and say, this is the territory of God. When Jesus was teaching his disciples, he said, pray like this. One of the lines of that prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in Excuse me, who do you think will enforce God's will here on earth? It's you and me. You think the devil wants God's will here on earth? He doesn't want it to. As far as he's concerned, he wants to reign and rule. But he will fail in Jesus' name. In fact, he has failed in Jesus' name. Look at what he said in verse 10. After he looked him in the eye, what did he say in verse 10? You son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, enemy of all that is good, will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? The man Paul was fed up. At his so, 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 long suffering, long suffering, you refuse. Or guy, enough is enough. You know, there are some issues in your life you need to set up and stand up and say, enough is enough. Whoever is going to go, let him go. Whatever is going to happen, let it happen. Enough is enough. And I think we have got to that point in Nigeria. I think enough is enough. I think enough is enough. We need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray. Not just sit down on social media and be posting comments. That one is, sorry, I'm not an enemy of social media, but let us do the things that are effective. You are posting on social media. The other side is carrying rituals every night, every day, to make sure that the heavenlies are suppressed and so that their will can be done. You are, doing, you are posting on social media. Oh, God, wake up in the middle of the night and pray. Confront the devil eyeball to eyeball. It says, you, full of hypocrisy, oh sorry, full of fraud, thank you sir. Full of fraud, enemy of all that is good. Will you never stop perverting the truth of the ways of the Lord? Next verse. Next verse sir. Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly, mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. But that's not where I'm going. Look at the effect it had on the governor in the next verse. When 
the governor saw what happened. Sir, the Bible didn't say when the governor heard the preaching of Paul. When he saw what happened, he became a believer. Why? He was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. Because that teaching was now backed with power. Sir, may you receive power. I say it again, may you receive power. It is necessary, sir. I was posted to a church some years ago as the vicar, as the head. And I was led in one of the first few Sundays to talk about the occult, how people should come out of the occult and so forth, because God showed me some revelations. And one woman came to my office, I think Tuesday or Wednesday of the Sunday, I preached the sermon, sat beside, in front of me. I said, Mama, I said, I'm fine. She said, Alufa. She said it in Yoruba. I'll try to interpret for the benefit of those who do not understand Yoruba. She said, Alufa, one rami, mokboni, one rami. I said, eh, kill a bomber. She said, one niki, one lo kill off, we lay you, we lay to kill a In other words, I didn't, they didn't send me, I only overheard. They said they should go and warn this one that calls himself a priest. In other words, tell him. Someone has tried that rubbish. He was beaten by a snake. You know the thing I was saying in my mind? I said... Where were you when they were doing occultic meeting? Did they send minutes to your house? Praise the Lord. It was later that the, the church members were telling me the kind of woman she was. One couple told me about her that they bought a land beside her house. They did not know she was living in the house there. She said the first day they came to look at the land, the woman peeped from her balcony and said, and she said, ah, Mama, we just bought this land. And she asked a question. If you're a Yoruba man, you will understand. He said, Aham. The woman that came to say one on you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And I asked the couple, I said, What did you do? He said, Daddy, we left the place. Oh. We went to buy land somewhere else. When I heard all that, when she went away, I went back to God. I said, God, oh, I told her before she left. I said, Mama, hello, so phone. But if it is God who sent me, then nothing will happen. Sir, people of God, we killed four snakes. Yes, in the vicarage. That's the place where the, the pastor lives. Two 
we are trying to enter over a span of two or three weeks, four snakes. Two we are trying to enter, they killed at the entrance to the door. One was killed in the sitting room. We don't know how it entered into a box of books. Yes, in the sitting room. One was killed. I was ill. That was the first time I would not attend first day of the month prayers. I was so ill. I was on the bed in the bedroom. My wife said she did not know why. Thank God for sensitive wives. She said she did not know why. She just left the program and said, let me check on this man. As she opened the door to the passage leading to the bedroom, she saw the snake heading directly to the bedroom. I knew it was coming from me. So she shouted, anyway, cut the long story short, we killed the snake. That's not where we are going. After the fourth snake, I now told God, I said, excuse me, sir. If this woman goes scot-free, she will think she's a superstar. And she will begin to query the power of God. If her people will be querying the power of God, because where they were meeting, and they were saying, well, run, 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 they will be saying, hey, hey. I said, but if you use her as a scapegoat, others will fear. People of God, she spent three months in the hospital. She now sent for me. He said, please come and pray for me. You need to confront the enemy if you are going to make impact and influence. You need to ask for the power of God to come upon you. They will resist you. But you will overcome. I said you will overcome. God, when he sent Jesus Christ, he sent him as a forerunner. A first fruit. It's like a sample. I, someone came to preach in our church yesterday and he used this analogy I love this so much the analogy of the phone he said this phone you are holding is not the original, the first phone of this type, of this particular brand he said the first phone the original, the prototype is somewhere in the, in the factory, it's somewhere in, with the manufacturer he said they will first of all ask themselves what we, do we want this phone to do Okay, we want battery life to be so-so-so days. They will get that done. They put the battery in it. We want this so-so-so gig, uh, RAM, this, that. They will get everything. Once everything is to their taste, they will now say, let's test it. They will test it, and once it passes the test, they will begin to reproduce after the manner of that prototype. Now, Jesus was our first fruit. The sample, the example. He came. The Bible says he led principalities and powers captive. He made a public show of them. He triumphed over them. And then he rose. He led captivity captive and he rose. So already he has shown us that it can be done. And then he began to produce prototypes. Me, Baba Tunde Obawaya, he produced me. He produced you. You are not an experiment. You have already been proven to succeed. No, you are not an experiment. The prototype has succeeded. It has passed all the tests. It has overcome the powers of darkness. What are you afraid of? 
People of God, creation is groaning already. They are beginning to wonder where are those who call themselves the children of God? How come that the devil is running roughshod over everybody? It's flexing muscle. Excuse me, it is an insult when some people say, I consider it an insult. When, is, when they say, ah, uh, so God is the devil is struggling with God. I say, ah, excuse me, it's insulting. It's not a struggle. The battle has been won. It has been lost. We know the winner already. So when we talk about influence, understand, sir, that even when the devil resists you, you are already an overcomer. He has given you a guarantee. He said, no weapon of the enemy formed against you will prosper. Another translation says, no weapon of the enemy fashioned, formed, framed, or forged against you will prosper. Let's rise to our faith. I'm going to make three calls. I don't want to assume. Assumptions can be dangerous. I don't want to assume that everyone here is born again. So I want to make a call. Can we have our heads bowed, our eyes closed? This issue of born again, please. You may have been hearing it while you say, What to What to Excuse me, it's not a cliche. <laughs> Paul said, Knowing the terror of God, we persuade men. May you never see the terror of God. He said, He that believeth not is condemned already. You are here, you have not given your life to Christ. You are in a dangerous place. Excuse me, you are in a dangerous place. I am not scaring you. But we are in the days where people are dying like flies. Nobody knows whose turn it is. I'm a very, very realistic and balanced person. We pray to live long. And I'm trusting God that every one of, of, of us here will fulfill the number of our days. But, please, I beg you, be prepared to die every day of your life. One of the ways you can prepare is to make sure that you are born again. Are you here? You are not born again. But something has been knocking at the door of your heart. Tugging at the reins of your soul saying you need to give your life to Christ and you want to do it now and here I don't want to assume please raise your hand wherever you are you want to give your life to Christ is there anybody who wants to do that here alright the second call is for rededication I'm a pastor and I see on a regular basis sound 
solid Christians fall away from the faith. Because of the challenges, the changes, the chances of this world, they just fall away. They compromise. You are in a dangerous place. You are in a very dangerous place. But one thing about God is that there is no one who comes to him in repentance that he will turn away. The second call is to those who want to rededicate their lives to Christ. You know your life has not been at par with his expectations for your life. But you want to make amends today. Wherever you are, if you want to do that, just raise your hand. You want to rededicate your life to Christ. This is the first step in being a, an agent of influence. You want to rededicate your life. If you are raising it, raise it properly, please. There's no shame in it. All right. The next call, the last one, is for those who need encouragement. I know what I'm talking about. There are times you are putting in your best, at least as best you know how. But things are not working out. You have not compromised. You have done your best to live your life according to the plan and purpose of God. But things are not working out. You need to be encouraged. That's the third set that I want to call and to ask to indicate. You are here, you need encouragement. You need God to encourage you. Father, encourage me. Can you raise your hand? I need encouragement. Raise, you are raising it to God. If you are raising those hands, raise to God. I've been in that place before. That's why I know. The place the psalmist was when he wrote Psalm 73 and he said, <laughs> it seems as if it is vain to serve God. I see the wicked flourishing and prospering. He was discouraged. He needed encouragement. If you are raising your hand, can you say after me, Father, please encourage me. I want you to please be serious with that prayer. Some of you are going to be surprised. Things that you have forgotten about and you felt that this one is, let's forget about this. Alone, see, fele, see, recycle bin. You'll be surprised that God will fish out those things. And use them to encourage you. Can you say after me again? Father, please encourage me. Can you open your mouth and talk to him? Say, Father, encourage me. I need encouragement too. I need encouragement. Father, I need encouragement. It may be a wife with your husband. You need encouragement. He seems not to appreciate you in any way. But you need encouragement. It may be a daughter with her parents. You seem not to be able to get anything right with them and you are really downcast and you need to be encouraged. Talk to him. You may be undergoing peer pressure in school. The pressure is much and you need to be encouraged. Can you say, Father, encourage me. Encourage me. 
encourage me. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Lord, you have done it for me before. You have encouraged me. You lifted my spirit. These your children have cried to you. You know what you need to do to encourage them. Father, encourage them in Jesus' name. That which will bring fresh joy to their hearts. That which will give them fresh zeal. That which will encourage their hearts. Lord, do it for them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Finally, I want us to take this song and I want us to pray for power. We know this song, Father to child, spirit to spirit, lighted by your word. With your breath of life, that's how I come alive. That's how I change my world. We're going to take that song because I'm trusting God that as the Lord breathes upon you by his spirit the power to be an effective influence will come upon you in Jesus name Father to child Spirit to spirit Lighted by your word With the bread of life With your breath of life that's how I come alive. That's how I change my world. Father to child. Father to child. Oh, Father to child. From my spirit to your spirit. I take by your word. With your breath of life. With your breath of life. That's the only way I can come alive. That's the only way I can change my world. Just breathe your name upon me. Breathe. Just breathe your name upon me. after me. Father, I receive power to change the world. Can you open your mouth and pray that prayer? I receive power to change my world. 
for this cause he said the son of man was made manifest to destroy the works of the devil to change the world to make a difference breathe your name upon me I receive power I receive power father enough is enough let the world see that indeed there is a difference I receive power to be a change agent thank you heavenly father thank you heavenly father in Jesus name we have prayed heavenly father we return thanks to you all glory be to you for what we have heard but lord we don't want to hear alone we want to experience the reality of it. I ask, oh God, upon every one of us, release the power to be a change agent in this world. In the name of Jesus. Whenever and wherever resistance to your word and to your influence comes up against us, May the power that was released upon the disciples on the day of Pentecost, may that power bubble up in our lives and put down the enemy. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Blessed be your holy name. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' name, we have prayed.